So verse 10, look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you out of my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And again, what an excellent spirit David had, and unlike that of Saul. Again, you know, if the tables were turned, David would be dead. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. The phrase, touch not the Lord's anointed, is popular among some Christians and among many leaders. Often, to them, it means you should never speak against a pastor or a leader. He is above your criticism or rebuke. But when David recognized that Saul was the Lord's anointed and refused to harm him, what David would not do is kill Saul. He did humbly confront Saul with his sin, hoping Saul would change his heart. But it is entirely wrong for people to use the idea of touch not the Lord's anointed to insulate a leader from all evaluation or accountability. Now here's Pastor Rob. These are the things that God uses. See, Jesus wants us to be more like him, doesn't he? We have to be conformed to his image. We have to be uh, sanctified. Sanctification is a daily thing. And unfortunately, the greatest lessons in our life seem to come through pain and suffering, not when everything is going well. Can you relate to that? It really is true. So don't be discouraged when you go through that. In verse 6, and he said to his men, David did, he said, The Lord forbid that I should do anything to my master, the Lord's anointed. Notice, David referred to him as his Lord, meaning his master. David was not confused about who the Lord really was. But David also knew he was a man under authority. And while Saul was still king, he was still a subordinate to Saul. And David was happy to be there until the Lord moved and removed Saul. But it wasn't going to be at the hand of David. It could have been. It could have been at the hand of David. We just saw it. We're going to see there's going to be another opportunity two chapters from now where David's going to have another opportunity to do the very same thing. And he doesn't do it. He waits upon the Lord. And that's a good lesson for us, to wait Upon the Lord. David knew that murder was sin, and especially a king of Israel. God had anointed him, David, to be king through Samuel, and he knew it was just a matter of time. And it wasn't for him to, to, to hasten the project. God is able to do these things. Seriously, God is able to do all these things in our life. A lot of times it just takes us to take our hands off the steering wheel, and it may take time for God to accomplish what he wants without you getting in the way. (laughs) 
And believe me, folks, he will do it. If he's promised it to you, if he's doing something and you have that unction that he's doing something, get your hands off the steering wheel and let him work because he does a much better job. And you might have to wait a little bit longer, but when it comes to pass, it's going to be undeniable. And in the process, you are being prepared for whatever it is that he had called you to do anyway. So everybody wins here. Nobody loses. I love that. You know, David, he had this wonderful heart, and that's what made him a great man. You know, under the same circumstances, Saul would have taken David's life. He would have done it. But David waited again upon the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 7 through 9, David, writing this psalm, he says, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Isn't that, doesn't that sound like the Beatitudes? Doesn't that sound like Jesus in Matthew chapter 5? It is, it's like an Old Testament Beatitude. And again, the ends never justify the means. David knew he was to be king. This was his moment. He could have just done Saul in. He could have had somebody else do it. But he waited on the Lord in his timing, in his way. And David knew it was not his place to put his hand against the king. He knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. The battle belonged to the Lord. Isn't that exactly what David said to Goliath out in the field? In chapter 17 of, of, this, of this book. Remember when he, he was out there in the field talking to Goliath and what did he say to him? He says, then all the assembly, he's talking to, um, uh, to Goliath saying that he's going to take his head off of his shoulders. And he's going to feed his body to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The battle's the Lord's. It always has been. And it's good for me to know that. It's good for me to know that. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. Let God take care of it. He does a much better job, and you won't go to jail. I like that. Can I get an amen? Yeah. If we were in a Baptist church, I would say, Can I get a witness? So... So verse 7, so David, he restrained his servants, and Saul inevitably got up from the cave, went his way, and so David came after him, and he says, my Lord, the king, and Saul, in unbelief, he's like, I just came from that place, I hear David's voice, oh my goodness, I was that close to him, and I could have killed him, oh wait, I was that close to him, he could have killed me, (laughs) it's starting to dawn on him. And so David arose and went out to the cave. He said, My lord, the king. And when Saul stood, he looked behind him, and David stooped. Notice, he bows to the king. This man who was causing him so much grief. Are you able to do that with somebody who's seeking your life? I mean, honestly, think about it. Unless the Lord has control of our hearts, we are capable of doing a number of evil things. Don't ever think because you're a Christian that you have been walking with the Lord for some time that these things are beyond you. Because given the right circumstances and the right amount of pressure, 
you'd be surprised what any one of us would do in the in a right circumstance or in the wrong circumstance under the right amount of pressure. We would all shock ourselves because I don't know my own heart. Do you know your own heart? Don't nod your head because you'd be lying. None of us really know our own hearts. I don't know how I'm going to respond in a circumstance. Do you? A circumstance you've never been in, do you know exactly how you're going to respond? I really don't know. I can talk a big game if I want, but I know in my heart I have no idea until the moment comes. And then the grace is there or it's not. (laughs) Follow me? So David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? David here proved that the rumors and the lies were not true because Saul was still breathing. The fact that he was still breathing (laughs) proves that David that these, all these things were rumors and lies that Saul was listening to. And we need to be very careful about hearsay and rumors in the church. Many friends have been wounded. Many friendships have been destroyed because of gossips, because of these kinds of things. In Psalm 22, verse 12, David says, Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. And you know, David, no doubt, was in great company as he was being falsified and he was being um, ridiculed and lied about. And again, don't be surprised if you, being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, if this happens to you, that probably means that you're probably doing the right thing. If the world is against you and you're doing what God wants you to do, chances are you're doing the right thing. I would get nervous if you're doing the thing for God and everyone's applauding you and the, and the whole world is giving you, uh, supplying you money and, and for you and saying, you know, you're such a great guy and, man, your ministry is so wonderful. You know, the, the United Way is now given to you and, you know, the, um, you know, the open societies, you know, from, you know, George Soros, he's even given money to your ministry. You know, you're such a great guy. Your ministry is so awesome, you know. Do you have your show yet? Do you have your, uh, a television show yet? We'll pay for that too. When the world applauds you, you'd better think about why. <laughs> because if you're really walking the walk and doing what God wants you to do, the world is not going to be so happy with you. So don't be surprised if those things happen. Jesus, in the, in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's true. David was going to be lied about. Jesus was lied about. Hey, you're in great company if you're being lied about today. If you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to let God use you and you find that your coworkers, all they're doing is gossiping and backbiting and, and, and doing all this nasty, you know, all this stuff, you're probably doing the right thing. And what will you do? Say evil about them too? Or will you bless those who despitefully use you? What did Jesus say in John's gospel? He says, if the world hates you, and he's speaking to his disciples in the upper room, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. But if you were of the world, the world would love its own. If you were of the world, the world would love you. It would applaud you. George Soros would be contributing to your ministry. 
Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It hates you. You're in good company. Can you do it with a smile on your face even though everyone hates you or a a handful of people hate you? I would rather have the whole world hate me and have the smile of God. Seriously. That's really... Shouldn't it make our hearts settle that night when we put our head on the pillow finally at the end of the day? I really don't care what, I mean, I do care what people think, but not too much. I'm really, care, I'm really concerned about what God thinks. If I did the right thing and I know I did the right thing, I, I, people can tell me everything they want. It doesn't matter to me. And pray that we all get to that place, too, if we're not there already. And we don't have to be arrogant and nasty about it. It's just you've got to know who, you're, who, who it is that you're really accountable to. We're accountable to him, nobody else. And if I please him, praise the Lord. Amen? So verse 10, Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you out of my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And again, what an excellent spirit David had, and unlike that of Saul. Again, you know, if the tables were turned, David would be dead. And while Saul was glad to be alive, it's true, he was. He was very glad to be alive. David's righteousness in this act would ultimately fuel Saul's jealousy even further. Because again, in chapter 26, we're going to see, you know, so as, as we read this uh, dialogue between David and Saul, and as we hear Saul kind of in a lucid moment kind of realizing what a fool he had, he's, he had been, Understand when you hear this that it would be just the wind would blow a little bit differently and Saul would be off again chasing David again. So you take his words with a grain of salt. And isn't that unfortunate that you can't trust people's words? There used to be a time in our country's history where a man's word was his bond. He could tell you, and in most businesses back in the 1800s, they could shake their hand and say, it's a done deal. And they wouldn't have to be lawyers involved. They wouldn't have to drop these contracts and, you know, in the Greek or in the Latin, you know. <laughs> but now things are, you can't trust anybody. You can't trust anything they say. It's an unfortunate thing. Notice at the end of verse 10 where, you know, he says, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Underline those two words, Lord and Lords. You'll notice that they're, one's capitalized and one's not. And I love that he says, David said to Saul, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord. He's speaking of, of, of Saul. And this word is Adon, which is where we get the word Adonai. But it's really just like an owner, a master, a controller. So David is admitting, Lord, you know, Saul, you're still over me. I'm still a subordinate. But then he goes on and he says, for he, speaking of Saul, is the Lord's anointed. That's a whole different word. That's the word Yahweh or Jehovah And that is the covenant-keeping God. That is God the Father. And so a very big difference. Can you see the order of things? God is over all things. And then there's Saul. (laughs) And then there's David and others. It's always good to understand. You know, let's be prayerful, you know, and mindful of this, even with our local and our federal governments. For the powers that be are what? They're ordered by God. They're there. He put them there. And it'd be good for us to obey them to, you know, unless, it, unless the laws go against, uh, you know, us gathering in churches and gathering, we've got to do what the Lord has called us to do. But for the most part, it's just an inconvenience for us sometimes when something happens. But we need to obey the laws. 
and we, you know, within, within the reason, you know. I think you understand what I'm saying, right? He says, moreover, my father, see, see the, the, the corner of your robe in my hand, I cut it off. And so David, at this point, he really, is, his heart smote him again because of what he had done. And, he, and now he turns it around and uses it as a means to prove to Saul, look, if I really wanted to kill you, I wouldn't be having this piece of your robe in my hand. I'd have your head like I did with Goliath. But no, Saul, I just got a piece of it. I, have, I don't have anything against you. I have no beef with you, man. <laughs> right? To put it in the vernacular of today, I've got no beef with you. Why are you seeking me like a, like a gazelle? Like a lion chasing a gazelle. But notice in verse 12, Let the Lord be judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand, notice again, he, I, it shall not be against you. And I, I can't help but compare this statement of David's with the statement with what Saul had told Jonathan. You recall in, in 1 Samuel 20, just a couple of chapters ago, Saul, in one of his rages, what does he tell He says, send and bring David to me, for he shall surely die. And this was after he made the covenant with his son Jonathan in in chapter 19, verse 6, where um, Jonathan is basically pleading for David's life, saying, Dad, why are you against him? He's done nothing wrong to you. Why are you hunting him down? He's done everything for you. He's done all your battles. You don't have to do anything. Why are you hunting him down? And And Saul says, it says, Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore. He swore a covenant, an oath, and he said, As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. And then you go a chapter later, and what does he say? Let's kill him. <laughs> he can't be trusted with his own words. Can't be trusted. Verse 13, as the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. David saying this to Saul He says again, but my hand shall not be against you. This is the second time he said it. And notice that wickedness is done by those who are wicked. Just as sin, sinful things, people, we do sinful things because we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners, not the other way around. I don't sin and therefore I become a sinner. No, I sin because I am a sinner. From birth, I was born and shapen in iniquity. Isn't that one of the Psalms that David wrote, inspired of the Spirit of God? And we know that to be true. We were all born with a sin nature. And we sin because we are sinners. And just as David's saying this to Saul, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. And I can't help but David is speaking some really hard truths to Saul. And no doubt this is stinging Saul a little bit. You know, David's like saying, Saul, I'm not the wicked one here. I'm the one who's running. But he speaks truth to him. Can you speak a hard word to a friend? You ought to. If they're a really good friend, you ought to be able to say hard things. And you say it with compassion, with love, and they know the difference. You know the difference. If you're angry at somebody and you want to talk something hard to them and you come at them and go, you know what, man, you, you're just you're rotten, filthy scoundrel. And, and they're like, oh, I feel so much better. No, you've got to approach them with dignity and with love. And when you do, they know the difference when you say, listen, man, I don't, I don't want to have to tell you this, but no one's going to tell you, but I'll tell you because I love you. 
when you said this or when you did this, this other, you know, I, I was really hurt by that. And I don't hate you. I'm not upset with you. I just, I got to tell you the truth, you know, and then hopefully that friend will say, you know what? I was, I was being a jerk. Will you forgive me? You know, like, of course, you know, and then the friendship is restored. And see, David could speak some truth to Saul, especially in this lucid moment. Very seldom was Saul in a lucid moment like this. Remember that an evil spirit was dominating him. Some people even believe he was possessed by a demon, and at different times it would just rattle his cage and, and just infuriate him and cause him to go in rages and rampages. And what does it say in Matthew? Jesus, again, in the Beatitudes, what did he say? You will know them by their fruits. As David is having this dialogue with Saul, David in his heart's going, man, I'm listening to this guy, but in my heart I don't believe it. David was wise. And he was wise enough to think that, I believe, because it wouldn't be long after this that Saul would be on the hunt again. And David knew after their talk he he continued going up into the stronghold. He wasn't going to come down and have a big, you know, come to Jesus moment. And everybody, all the soldiers hug each other. I'm so sorry, man. I misunderstood you. No, it was nothing like that. David's like, great, Saul. But in his heart, he's like, i got to run. i got to keep running. It's only a matter of time before he's going to turn on me. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? The obvious answer is no. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, you will know them by their fruits. We are called to be fruit inspectors. It's okay to look at a life and, and say, you know what, I, I don't know whether they know the Lord or not, but the fruit of their life is showing something pretty good. So when they tell me that they believe in Jesus, I think I believe it, right? But when you, say, when you hear somebody who's a believer, and all you see is their life marked by one bad decision after another, and then you find them, they're in drugs, and they're in alcohol, and they're in illicit relationships and they're cheating on their wives and they're taking drugs and you get every reason to go, I'm looking at the fruit and it doesn't look so good. I don't know what's going on, Laura, but that fruit is bad, right? It's okay for us to look at fruit and say this looks good or doesn't look good. That's how we gauge because anybody can talk a big game, but when a life is changed, it demonstrates itself because what's in comes out for good or ill, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks, Actions are, are, are done by what comes from the heart. So David said again, my hand shall not be against you. I love Proverbs 16, verse 32. It says, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And that's really kind of the way I see David. He was a, a man who was wise, and he was careful, he was patient, and he was actually more in power, more in control than Saul was, wouldn't you agree? You, can't, you couldn't trust Saul, anything he said, but David was straight as an arrow. You always knew where he was at. He made sure that if he liked you, he made it very clear. If he didn't like you, he made it very clear as well. You know, there was no deceit in David. Again, he made his mistakes, but therefore the Lord uh, 
be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of your hand. You know, the Lord would ultimately judge between David and Saul. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.